Gary John Bishop's highly anticipated new book, Stop Doing That Shit, End Self-Sabotage and Demand Your Life Back. It's available now. Stop Doing That Shit is a no-holds-barred guide to breaking through your self-defeating cycles, finally getting what you want out of life. Stop Doing That Shit. It's on sale now in hardcover, ebook, and audio read by Gary John Bishop himself. Visit GaryJohnBishop.com to learn more. The world has a lot going on right now, and if you want to be more informed about what's happening in that world, sign up for The Skim. It's a daily email newsletter. has everything you need to start your day in just five minutes. It breaks down all the major news and events, explains them in a quick, easy way, and guess what? It's free. Can't beat that. It's delivered right to your inbox for free. Subscribe at theskim.com slash stories. That's the S-K-I-M-M dot com slash stories. And be entered to win a $50 Visa gift card. Hello to everybody in the superhero costume instead of the princess costume. It's beautiful anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names. No holds barred. I'd rather go one on one. I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard here. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous, a show that I think connects people to the idea of humanity itself. Let's start with some self. What is it? How do you pronounce it? Aggrandizing? How do you say that word? I don't know. Aggrandizing. Aggrandizing. We're going to leave this all in. We're going to leave this part in where I... Self-aggrandizing here at the top. And doing it in a way where I also then can't pronounce the word, which tells you the self-deprecation comes right back. The pendulum swings. Hi, everybody. First thing I want to do, I want to thank uh, Alan Edwards, who uh, entered a contest in the Facebook group to uh, come up with the new banner that's at the top of the Facebook group. And it's really cool, really slick. Thanks so much for your contribution to that Facebook group, a group where we discuss the episodes and everybody's pretty chill. Last week was such a fun week. It was the unofficial Dungeons and Dragons week of the show. The Tuesday call uh, was, I think, very impactful to a lot of people. It's funny, Ginger the Cat, breakout star of the episode. And then I think everybody also was so blown away and impressed that a caller would step up and, and travel to help try to save a friend, even an online friend like that. It was really cool. And then, of course, Friday's episode, we played D&D. You heard the caller serve as a DM. Well, Jared and Harry and I played Dungeons & Dragons. I was so fascinated to see what people would think. And it's funny, a lot of you guys, like uh, in the group, we had Steven say, this is my favorite thing ever, ever, and there needs to be more of these episodes. This made me laugh. Leah, very valid opinion. I hated this one. I've never disliked an episode before. It's like watching your siblings play a game as a kid. You can't wait for it to be done. What a true and honest reaction to that episode. I love that. We all got our opinions. Um, So this week's episode, uh, you immediately hear me pause because it was an episode that hit me in the guts. I will tell you, this was recorded. You will learn before my son was born. And it's a call from a parent who's raising a kid that is not walking the typical path. And the caller actually, I will say, uh, has reached out to me since we recorded this call and and actually apologized. And, and caller, I'm sure you're listening. I want to say there is no need for that. No need for that. I think the caller basically said, you know, I, I realized as we were talking, this must have been really hard for you with a kid on the way. But 
it's okay. We're allowed to have hard conversations here. I don't ever want to be someone who dodges them. And uh, especially if it's in the service of learning how to, how to just treat people better. I love that you called in. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this and you're going to hear me get more emotional than I've ever gotten in the three-year history of the show. And I don't think that's an exaggeration at all. Enjoy the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hi. Hi. Is this Chris Gethard? <laughs> Speaking. Oh my gosh, I got through! Yay! <laughs> it's really good to talk to you. I, I literally have been listening to your show for so long, and I call every single time, so this is just insane that I actually got through. <laughs> It's awesome. I'm so glad you finally got through. I want to talk to everybody. I just want to make sure for anybody listening, if you want to call the show and uh, you keep trying, I want to keep the show going long enough that every single person can actually call and get through at some point. Yes. Yes. Um, So once again, congratulations on the baby coming. Thank you so much. Freaking out. As of of this taping, I don't know when this will air, but we are 13 days out from the due date. As you and I talk, I'm real. I'm How just, exciting. It's getting very real. And uh, last night I had a dream that I met my son. Last night I had a dream that I was holding him. It was the first time I've had a dream like that. It was wild. Oh, that's, that's very cool. I um, actually with my first daughter, um, who I'm going to be talking about majority of the time today, um, mm-hmm. I did. I had a dream that she had bangs and pigtails and blonde hair. And so it was interesting because sure enough, like, yeah, when she was born, like, she's just, we've kept up that whole persona. <laughs> That's awesome. My son had very dark hair in my dream, which I was surprised by. And he was born with the ability to say the word glasses. He kept reaching for my glasses and going, glasses. And I would go, yes, correct, that... baby. Correct, little baby. Glasses. Oh. I loved that. That's so awesome. Yeah. No, I also, um, I always wanted to make sure I told you this because the bummer this is anonymous because actually uh, both of my daughters are named after punk bands mm. and we are huge Marvel fans in this uh, in this family so yes we uh, we have a lot in common <laughs> oh, that's awesome that's awesome yeah. so wait they're, they're, your kids are named after punk bands mm-hmm yep both my daughters are named after punk bands oh I wish I could know but that probably I, I don't want to out your children that's awesome yeah no I, yeah, so um, even though I, I'm not going to lie, anybody that hears this episode is going to be like, everybody's going to know who I am. <laughs> so, but no, yeah, um, hopefully I'll get to see you at some point because um, we usually get respite care um, at certain times of the month. And unfortunately, last time you came through my area, um, we didn't have respite care provided. So I wasn't able to come to your show. I was so mm. sad. So. Oh. Next time, hopefully, we'll meet each other, and then you can um, guess the punk bands they're named after. I would love that. <laughs> it's funny, though. You say everyone's going to know, but I actually, you're not, um, we'll bleep this if it is. You're not friends with my wife, are you? No. Mm-mm. Because my wife, has a, my wife has a good friend who lives in a different city who also has two kids named after punk bands. <gasps> what? Oh, that would be so interesting if they were... Um, if they were the same punk bands that we named our children after. so Well, these kids' names, I don't think this is out of line. My, my, uh, and a friend of mine now, too, at this point, um, 
but a longtime friend of my wife has uh, one child named Joey after Joey Ramone, and uh, mm-hmm. one child named Milo after, of course, the, yes. the Descendants. I believe. Yeah, but who, I'm sure there's I'm other things that went into Fort the name. Collins area. What's that? Oh, sorry. I was just saying I was from the Fort Collins area, and so you talked about the Descendants. That just makes me very happy. So anyway, mm-hmm. keep going. <laughs> no, I was just saying too. I don't want to. I, I would imagine there's other reasons to also name your children that, but I always just thought it was charming. Joey and Milo, punk bands. Anyway, it's up to you what we talk yes. about. I don't want to yeah. start just rambling. Oh no, that's totally fine, and it's actually funny because that. Um, yeah, one of the things that you said in the beginning is one of the names that our daughter's named after. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, so there you go, continuing. Um, but no, so I wanted to talk about, I'm so excited. Um, my daughter happens to have Robertsonian translocation Down syndrome. And wow. I go and talk to senators and legislators. Um, I go and advocate for my daughter's school on inclusion and all that kind of stuff. And um, I just was always like fantasized that I would be like the first person to talk about that. And I hope I've listened to enough beautiful anonymous episodes. That I think I am. I'm I believe. Excited. Yeah, I believe that's true. Right. I don't think this is a topic we've touched on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you could, I heard you say, I, I heard a, a long name for yes. condition, but I, I did hear Down syndrome. What was the first part of it? Robertsonian translocation Down syndrome. Oh, I have to. Here's the first thing I'll admit I'm ignorant on. I didn't know there were different classifications of Down syndrome. I didn't either. So it's interesting because before I had my daughter, uh, quick back history. Um, my aunt is a paranoid schizophrenic and my uncle um, has uh, mental cognitive issues. And so um, I grew up with them living in community homes. And so the first people that I ever met with Down syndrome, I think it was like four or five and they were a couple and I loved them. They were just just the coolest people in the whole world. And so from then on, my mom and my sister and me all um, started, you know, dabbling in special education or resources and all that kind of stuff. And then um, when I was actually pregnant with my um, oldest daughter, I didn't know um, during the pregnancy, this was all um, very much, you know, out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, you, you <laughs> but, did um, not, you yeah, said you so did not know. No, I did not know. We we did not get the testing um, because we were um, very, we were like, you know, middle 20s. Um, and a lot of that like scare they try to give you is like during like your 40s, you know, um, and it's actually a myth. So actually a lot of people um, who have children that happen to have Down syndrome, actually when you're younger, you have a higher chance. You have just as high of a chance as you do in your 40s. So if you're like, I think if I remember correctly, it's like 19 or under, you have a high percentage to have a child that happens to have Down syndrome or chromosomal defect um, just as much as like in your 40s. Wow. Wow. That's a, uh, yeah. I feel like that's yeah. just a very accepted thought is that, yeah. is that older people are more prone to, to deal with this, but that you're saying that's not true. You've dispelled a myth already. First six minutes of the show, and you've I, already dispelled a myth. Well done. Yes, I have. And so, um, yeah, no, so I was like 24, 25 when I had her. Um, and so I was actually working as a paraprofessional in, um, a, in a high school with special needs. And um, it was really interesting because, yeah, I worked with a few individuals that had Down syndrome. 
and like all of them just like, yeah, I just, I literally did not know that there was any kind of levels or anything. And so when I found out that T21 is the most common, um, and then Robertsonian translocation is the least common, and then mosaic Down syndrome is the rarest of them. Wow. And what delineates them from each other, specifically uh, Robertsonian? What are the, what are the specific traits of that? So, okay, so this is going to be really rough for me to explain without drawing you a picture. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) technically, the extra chromosome, my daughter has an extra chromosome, but she doesn't really have that extra chromosome off. So essentially, disattached, reattached, flipped, and infused in her chromosomes. So it's like in her. Wow. And how does it, do, do the different, do these different levels manifest themselves in behavior, in appearance, in any of the things that, you know, I might be able to perceive from the outside? I also will say right away, I think you can see I'm walking on eggshells, choosing my words, because I, I never want to put my foot in my mouth. So please, as always on the show, Please let me know when I do put my foot in my mouth and feel free to uh, point out my ignorance because I'm I'm accepting of the fact that I do have a lot of ignorance and uh, part of what I like about this show is learning new stuff. So please do let me know. I definitely will. And I just want to let you know, I'm probably like the most, I'm not going to say I'm the most chill because there's a lot of special needs parents that are chill as me. There's some that are just like they're very um, to the T with their um the way that they do their people first language. And I will tell you right now, I feel like I'm still struggling making sure like what's up to date to right now. So who knows? There might be somebody that calls me out on my, um, my, uh, you know, PC language. So hopefully I'll continue with that. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so actually, so people with Mesozoic Down syndrome, which is the rarest, um, actually just have some indicators. So like, it could just be like your skin that has the extra chromosome or it can be, but it doesn't mean you as your whole body and self is like with T21 and Robertsonian translocation. Um, actually with everybody, they have the, all the same identifiers, like the spaced out toes. Um, they have the almond eyes. Um, so a little bit of a flatter face. Um, actually a lot of individuals with Down syndrome don't have that neck crease um, and ultrasounds. That's some, one of the identifiers that they look for. Um, and they have smaller heads, but because my daughter got my husband's, ginormous head <laughs> with ultrasounds that couldn't figure it out because they didn't see any of that, um, of those, you know, tracers. Um, but what's unique to the Robertsonian translocation and was one of my favorite stories to tell is the fact of that when you get a fish test, which is the um, chromosomal test to identify if that individual has um, the extra chromosome or the chromosome pairings and stuff, um, that when they said she had Robertsonian translocation, they found out I had um, multiple miscarriages. I also have polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, it, I had to um, go on Clomid twice to get pregnant with her. And so um, they were just like, well, we need to test you and your husband because most of the time if you have a Robertsonian translocation child, um, it's because either parent or a carrier. Um, and if you are a carrier, then it means that actually, so our chances of having a child, a neurotypical child, is actually 
like the same chance as like you and your wife right now being pregnant, um, having a Down syndrome child. So it's like flipped. Um, so me and my husband both got tested um, and we both came up negative. Um, so it's actually, that's pretty rare that parents don't have the carrying gene. And so, um, yeah, Denver Children's Hospital is very excited. Their genetics team was like, your daughter is like, what is 15 million? How cool is that? And they did a few like, you know, case studies with her when she was little. And um, it was very cool. It was very cool. Um, I already know she's like, you know, one in a million. So. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Now I'm, I'll just cop to a few things if that's okay. I'll put out a few things that I'll yeah. put out there is I will tell you, I will be very open and say that growing up, and I'm sure you, I'm sure you as a parent see versions of this all the time. I remember very distinctly when I was young, being on vacation with my family, and we were shopping in like a cheesy souvenir store in this vacation town, and a child with Down syndrome was in the store with their family, and it was the first time. I'd been around and I was a kid and I was really scared. I was really scared um, because I was a child and I think it was the first time I processed that people could be born uh, different, especially yeah. in that way. And I remember it being a very, I remember for years when I was, when I was a kid um, growing up and really feeling almost like a real anxiety or panic about, oh, I could have a, I could have a kid someday who could deal with that. And it was a scary thing. But I'll put two things out there that I think will level the playing field on that a little bit, because I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, because I'm sure you see versions of that all the time from children and, and adults, I'd imagine. I want to talk about that. I'll also say this. One, I feel like I was very lucky because the the school I went to when I was a kid was the school in my county, not just my town, but my county, where there was a whole section of the school for kids with all sorts of developmental, you know, a whole variety of different developmental, um, what would I say, conditions? Is that is that fair to say? I don't want to say anything insensitive. but So I, I, I wound up actually growing up in a school that really did have to promote the idea of acceptance and and, you know, um, being around people of all different stripes who were dealing with all sorts of different levels and, and, uh, that helped. And then I'll tell you the real story though, that I want to put out there is I dated a girl for many years and, you know, when you date someone for a long time, you hang out with their family and I got, I got to know her uh, extended family a little bit. And she had a cousin with Down syndrome. And it was the first time that I ever like sat at a dinner table with someone who had Down syndrome. And uh, I will tell you, I remember being so struck and feeling so warm because I was an adult now, able to process my feelings better, able to understand the world a little bit better. Very happy than that, obviously, versus when I was six or seven years old. But I remember being so struck that her cousin was legitimately very funny. And I remember being so struck mm -hmm. by that of like this kid was saying stuff at the dinner table that was genuinely making me snicker. And I'm a comedian. That's not easy to do. Like we don't <laughs> give up laughs very easy. But she was just a ball buster. She was like giving people a hard time. And it was really touching and eye-opening. And I just wanted to put all of those out there because I feel like they might sort of, you know, 
trigger some conversations that I'd be interested in having that I think you could speak to. And, and B, also just to give you a, a sort of scope of the playing field of just some of my initial reactions that I'm remembering from over the years of, of encountering this in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually. So that's, um, that was another reason I touched base on this because, um, we have lived in five different states in eight years and my daughter is nine. Um, so we have been around (laughs) and the promotion of inclusion, um, and having my daughter in a uh, neurotypical classroom or a general education classroom and stuff like that is, it's very weird because it's like when you go west, so at least like where we were living in Colorado, the school I worked for was pretty inclusive. Like we still did the pullout time, you know, but like our kids were pushed into the classroom, which is great because one, like kind of you were saying, like, you know, one of the things is like, I feel like that that's where we are kind of the last of the civil rights, um, the disability community. Um, A big thing with that is just because a lot of people don't know how to talk to us or they don't know what to say because nobody was ever really involved or put into, you know, um, these situations to meet these individuals. And if they did, they're like pushed away in these rooms or like you go to the movie theater and they're sitting in the front row and everybody kind of like sits back a little bit, you know? And so if, People meet my daughter, like you got to meet, you know, your um, ex-girlfriend's um, cousin. You know, you get to see like where that is. So there's a big hashtag, the lucky few. So we're the lucky few that get to see like how cool people with um, Down syndrome are. Um, we also have a uh, more like the difference campaign, which kind of just like pro- proves and shows that like pretty much, you know, everybody needs to see my daughter and also they need to be with my daughter, not just because my daughter gives back to them, but one day they are going to be employers. They're going to be managers. They're going to be business owners. um, And they're going to be the ones that are going to hire my daughter, or they're going to be the ones that go with my daughter and want to team up for like really cool companies like Biddy and Bose, which is like a cafe that's um, ran by all individuals with um, special needs, or also uh, the Brewability, which is in Colorado, and it's all um, a brewery that's all individuals with um, every range of really cool abilities that all work there, you know? So that's kind of like a big thing that I strive for, and I want to make sure that we know. So then, like, when people talk to me um, or see my daughter and stuff, it's going to be less of a hide back and more of a they'll be excited to see her or bring her in, you know? Yeah. I hope I didn't stray away from the conversation. I just got very excited. No, (laughs) I'm happy to hear it all. I'm happy to hear it all. It's, uh, I feel like, I feel like you as a parent, more than a lot of people have been on the show have a right to just dump out a lot of thoughts as they come into your brain because I feel like, in, in you know, I think we are in a culture that the past handful of years, um, there has been a real movement towards uh, inclusivity and to the degree where there's actually been a backlash over things are gotten too PC and inclusive. Like, So I think now is a really great time in history to be able to have someone in your position as a parent just get on a show like this and go, here's all the things that I see and that I think about and that I'm inspired by or that I'm worried by. I I think that that's, it's actually really beautiful. And I think you should never apologize if you get far away from a question. I think we'd all agree with that. This caller should go in any direction they choose. 
And I'm just going to go out and say, it's uh, there's sometimes during the conversations that are as real as this one where it feels a little weird to cut the ads. But I will tell you, I feel so lucky that I get to have conversations like this. The reason I do because the advertisers who support our show. So use the promo codes if you're so inclined. And we'll be right back with more phone call. With more than 70 sizes, including their signature half cup sizes, Third Love designs bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and premium feel. Just answer a few simple questions via Third Love's Fit Finder quiz to find your perfect fit in 60 seconds. Then, thanks to Third Love's 100% fit guarantee, you can wear, wash, and put your bra to the test for 60 days. And if you don't love it after those 60 days, guess what? Return it. Third Love does something really cool. They don't trash it. doesn't wind up in a landfill. They wash it. They donate it to a woman in need. It speaks very well to this company and their priorities. This is hands down the most comfortable bra you'll own with straps that won't slip, tagless labels, lightweight, super thin memory foam cups, sorts of great stuff. My wife has used the Third Love Fit Finder quiz. They were so cool to deal with. They sent a bra. She loved it right away. She liked the way it fit. She liked the way it looked. She was very, very pleased with the experience. And my wife has high standards. And she would not lie just to please an advertiser. It's not her style. She's a straight shooter. And she loved it. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash beautiful right now to find your perfect fitting bra. Get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash beautiful for 15% off today. Life can get very stressful. I've always found this to be true. I've historically have been someone who uh, is not the best at handling stress. You got work, you got family, you got everything in between. It's not always easy to find time for yourself, focus on yourself. Well, thankfully, Talkspace Online Therapy makes taking care of your mental health more affordable and convenient than ever before. Provide your references, and Talkspace will match with one of 4,000-plus therapists that very same day. You don't have to wait for your next appointment to talk about what's on your mind. Talkspace, you can send your therapist unlimited text, audio, picture, video messages from anywhere at any time. Plus, one month of therapy on the Talkspace costs about the same amount as a single face-to-face session. So no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. Join more than one million people who feel happier with Talkspace. Tell you what, everyone knows that I am a very, very public advocate for therapy. There, There's therapy out there for you, and uh, there's all sorts of ways to get it. And I think Talkspace is doing just a beautiful thing to modernize it, make it easy and accessible and judgment-free. It's a cool thing. Talkspace has more than 4,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing the challenges we all face. To match with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use the code BEAUTIFUL to get your first week free. Show your support for this show. That's beautiful at Talkspace.com. Thanks so much to everybody who sponsors Beautiful Anonymous. Now let's get back to the phone call. To be able to have someone in your position as a parent just get on a show like this and go, here's all the things that I see and that I think about and that I'm inspired by or that I'm worried by. I, th- I think that that's, it's actually really beautiful. And I think you should never apologize if you get far away from a question. Well, thank you. Because, yeah, I, like I said, I um, I talked to you. Um, so, you know, after having her, I just have kind of like dived into this because when you have a child with special needs, and medical complexes, you find out very quickly that um, things like me- secondary Medicaid, which actually um, it's like about, I believe, 60 percent 
I don't have my fact checker checker with me, but it's about like 60 to 70 percent of individuals who are on Medicaid um, and have secondary Medicaid like my daughter does are um, people in the um, disabled community, you know? And um, so it's frustrating because um, there's a lot of states that don't offer it. And then there are states that do offer it. And some of them, it's almost like a year. There's some people that are still waiting on the Medicaid list to just get these general things. I mean, thank goodness um, my daughter has enough medical complexes. So she's had 11 surgeries. Um, She does speech therapy and occupational. Yeah, she does speech therapy and occupational therapy um, every week. Um, She also has um, nine different specialist doctors that she goes and sees. Um, So we usually get on... um, the secondary Medicaid pretty quickly. And it's just for her, not the whole family, um, because pretty much what happened when she was first born is we were in the NICU for 36 days, oh, came home wow. in isolation because she had a yeah, so she had a hole in her heart, which is very common for individuals with Down syndrome. And sometimes those are indicators that they might have um, Down syndrome or a chromosomal disability. And so, um, or not disability, a chromosomal extra. And so anyway, um, so we, we were, um, had the hole, um, went home. She had an NG tube, oxygen, all that. Found out that the hole turned into two other predominant. So she had three predominant holes. Um, and so what they wanted was they called it an emergency open heart surgery, which is more of like a fancy, we're going to do this in a week. Um, and so we had to take her then to the CICU. She had an eight-hour p- procedure. She was only two and a half months old and about five pounds. And we had two surgeons on her, which is like unheard of. Um, and so then staying in that, um, coming home and then her other doctor's appointments and then being on oxygen. Um, yeah, we, we got bills for like $1.5 million. And me and my husband were like freaking out about it. Cause we're like, how do we pay for this? How do we know? Like we didn't know any of this was going to happen, you know? And, um, so, I mean, luckily, you know, in Colorado, they didn't have the secondary Medicaid, um, or my daughter wasn't approved for it. Um, but we did thankfully get the 30 day Medicaid. So if you're in the hospital for over 30 days, um, it doesn't matter what income base you are, they'll pay for your bills. So thank goodness that kicked in. But then when she had her open heart surgery, especially having these two top surgeons that were very excited because she was so small. And um, so they kind of like jumped on the chance to do her surgery, um, coming home with this massive bill. Um, and especially my insurance kept fighting us because they kept telling me it was a pre-existing um, condition because I kept calling them and telling them she was born. But then, of course, they would lose their paperwork. And then, yeah, it's just, it's a thing. <laughs> and so me and my husband even got to a point where we talked about like, you know, well, maybe we should get a divorce, but still live in the same home. And then I could receive like WIC and Medicaid and all of these things because um, I wanted to breastfeed with her. I did a little bit. We pumped and G-tubed everything. I mean, I did everything. Um, and then she ended up after having her open heart surgery, I ended up having some issues with my breast milk because when your body undergoes something so traumatic like that, some of the things that you normally can process, you just can't process like you used to. And so then she had to be on this like super expensive soy formula, of course. Um, and so those were kind of the other things that we were dealing with on top of everything else. Um, and so, yeah, we were just like, well, we'll get on WIC and then I can have Medicaid, but we'll still live in the same house. We just won't be married anymore. Um, and it's sad because actually a lot of special needs parents are going to be nodding their head to this. <laughs> And be like, yeah, we had that conversation too. Um, it's sad. It's it's a sad 
situation. But um, like, Can, so that's why parents like me go. Oh, sorry. Well, I was just going to jump in because there's a lot of information. So is the is the idea there when you say people are nodding their heads? Is I, I just want to be clear. Is is this idea that you might get divorced but stay together? Is that is is the idea there? I'm just a little unclear that there's a lot of stress on a marriage in this situation, but you'd stay together to help raise the kid, or are you saying that single parents, people who are technically single parents, have more entry ways to help? I, I'm not sure which one. Yeah. So both. Um, so actually, people who have um, special needs children actually have a higher divorce rate. And so that's why they offer things like respite care for, um, you know, families to go or, you know, parents to go out, get a night off, remember why you're together because your stress level is high. Um, but no, the other situation for what I was talking about was um, because it's income based. So my husband made too much money for us to qualify for the Medicaid um, to pay for all the medical bills. But then we were being, you know, like I said, strapped with like forty to $60,000 bills and going, how are we going to pay for this? And so that's why we had the discussion of, well, what we would do is get a divorce. And then I would claim that, you know, I don't have any income because I'm a stay-at-home mom. You know, I was working for the school district, which paid nothing. <laughs> and then I would require, then I would get all those services. Um, and then that would hopefully help out so that we wouldn't land ourselves in medical bankruptcy. I have to ask, sort of sensitive question, both for you and I, is uh-huh. you're talking to me right now with like a real sense of positivity in your voice and joy in your voice. And yet you were describing something that by anyone's definition sounds like the hardest thing. And I'm, I'm, oh boy, this is like the hardest. I'm just, I just know I'm about to have my first kid. And it's just so scary what you're describing. And I hate to cry and I, worried that it sounds judgmental because it's not meant to be, but it must be, it must've been so hard. It was. And and, you know, I will tell you right now, I'm actually, um, I, I, I feel for you so much because I was there. Um, and I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of happy you're crying because I knew I was going to choke up quite a few times during this call. Yeah. I beat you to the punch. I beat you to the punch on that one. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it is. (sighs) Um, it's a lot. And I will tell you, we cried, we cried so many tears um, and we had so many things happen to us that were just, they were horrific, you know, but at the same time, it was one of those that, I don't know, you just, as a parent and you'll, you'll learn this, you know, that you just, it just kicks in. I know that sounds so weird, um, but something in you kicks in and you just fight or flight, you know, and we fought. Yeah. That's uh that's good to hear. That's good to hear. That's good to hear cuz it is like right now I'm in a window where it's just all I want is for my wife to be safe and my baby to be healthy. And you went you yeah. went through an experience that wasn't that. And I can't imagine. Yeah. 
I can't imagine. Yeah, no. And I would, um, and, and I knew if I ever talked to you before the baby came, if we ever got on the phone, I never wanted to tell you my labor. I don't want, I don't think you need to tell her to hear my birth story. Oh God. Based on the things you've been, based on the things you've been totally willing to be open about, I can't even imagine <laughs> what that, what that could possibly mean. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, like I said, I'm, I'm a buzzkill when it comes to birth stories. Uh, yeah, I hear all these women that are like, oh, I'm in labor for, which don't even know that is still so hard. Labor is so hard. It is. It's the, it's the hardest thing you ever go through, but it's the weirdest strength that you'll ever have. And like the most empowering you'll ever feel. And your wife will totally understand this. Like, I I pushed two children out of me all by myself. Like it was just it's crazy. Or if you're a woman that gets like a C-section, like you just you undergo this you it just is cool. I mean, I, I, like I said, it doesn't matter how you have your baby, there's just like an empowerment to it. Um but yeah, and that's where I don't want to take away from that. I also don't want you to like cuz you're in your early time. Um cuz like I said, I've I've had a few people I've told them my stories before they had their labors and it brought way too much anxiety and stress on them oh, when I'm a very small rare bound. <laughs> Okay, so we'll walk away from the actual labor story then. I do want to ask because to so you didn't know any of this was coming. You're blindsided. You give birth. You you go through this physical and emotional experience that's that's about as intense and taxing as anything a human being can go through. And then right afterwards, I imagine all this information starts coming down the pike where you're worried if. Your child's even going to survive. That what, even when you find out your child is going to survive, that their life is going to be affected from day one until the end with all sorts of stuff that you didn't know was coming. You must feel like you're drowning in information. It, it must be so daunting. Like you said, the financial burden. So one thing that I do want to just ask right away is uh, what are the moments that you get to have as a parent with your daughter along the way that lift all that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And you want, one of the things I'm so excited to tell you this. So my daughter is um, actually in Girl Scouts. I used to be a Girl Scout. My sister was a Girl Scout. My mom was a troop leader. So naturally she took on the legacy and um, she is in a group of 12 brownies. Um, Everyone is neurotypical. She's the only one that um, has any kind of disability at all. And um, she wanted to go to Girl Scout camp. And so um, it was 1,100 boxes of Girl Scout cookies we had to sell. But I was like, all right, girl, if you want to do it, let's do it. And she made top seller and she killed the 1,100 boxes. <laughs> That's awesome. So she's, she's, uh, yeah. she knows how to hustle. She knows how to make a sale. She does. She does. And you know what? You would be, you would be very proud of her. Like she listens to like, um, Tiger Army. She listens to Rancid, all that kind of, and she'll like sing along with it. I mean, she is, she loves music. Music is like her, um, love language. So like we have a lot of issues with her speech. 
um, because it's just not there. Um, so what we do is we actually find songs for her. Like now that she's gotten a little older, she generally is more into um, like alternative bluegrass, that kind of stuff. Um, she does some, like some of her poppy songs, but like we actually use those because um, yeah, she just, she loves it. She loves to sing. She loves to be in the car and just look out the window and just, oh man, when she like listens to a song, she just absorbs the song. It's very cool. It's probably the coolest thing about her. That's awesome. That's cool. Do you feel, do you feel like, uh, I would imagine, I would imagine that there's so many moments as a parent where you feel like you're walking a specific situation that is, that many people might view as, um, you know, you, you, you have more responsibility or even more burdens than other parents have. And you, and you meet those challenges. Do you, are there any ways in which you feel like as a parent you're getting experiences that other parents don't get to have that are special or positive yeah. that other people don't get to see? Like the other side of, of what people might assume? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, even having my second, which I'm sure you can hear her in the background. I'm trying to put on the electronic babysitter <laughs> for her. So, <laughs> But um, no, so actually, that's one of the things like with, with my um, oldest. Sorry, I'm having a really hard time not saying my daughter's name. <laughs> mm-hmm. But anyway, um, and so when my oldest was born, oh, my gosh, like when she first walked, which she was about two and a half years old, when she first walked, oh, my gosh, it was huge. I mean, I know, I know that, um, I've heard the show and, um, there's a lot of distaste sometimes, um, not saying like badly, but you know, about social media. And actually, if anything, I think social media and my position has been the best for my daughter, you know, because like I, it's something like I share to the world and then people get to see it and get to see how it is like, not as different as they thought, but then at the same time, they get to do these, like, celebrations, like, I'm celebrating, you know? <laughs> and so it's funny, because it's like, yeah, when she was, like, talking, um, even when she said her first word, when she was doing a fine motor grip grasp, all that kind of, I mean, me and my husband were just like, oh, my gosh, you're amazing. And then, like, with my youngest, she just all of a sudden one day does it. And there's no, like, big applause. There's, you know, all my posted on on social media and, you know, she might get like, you know, a couple of likes, like I'm like, you know, my oldest daughter that gets like 200 likes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Poor younger one. It all but comes like, down to I, the I, likes. I, I, yes, it does come down to likes, but it, um, I am a stay-at-home mom, so unfortunately that's a lot of our lives is <laughs> social media. But, um, no, so it's one of those that it's like, I do, and I always, and me and my husband always feel like that, where we're just kind of like, her youngest just never gets as much celebratoryness when it comes to the little life achievements. She doesn't smell the roses like my oldest one does, you know? And so those are kind of the differences. And that's something like, even with um, my friends who have, you know, uh, neurotypical children that, yeah, like my stresses are way different than theirs. And they definitely do not comprehend or even try to understand, you know, what I go through on a regular basis. But that is one thing where I watch them versus with my oldest that I just am like, I just, it's sad. I'm like, they just don't get to like, you just don't get to smell the roses. You just don't get to be in it, you know? Like every moment is exponentially even sweeter than the average parent because it's such a victory and you do get to experience the joy that comes with that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I literally put my daughter 
okay, see, I'm going to start crying now. <laughs> Bear with me. Um, but yeah, like I literally just like, I, you know, I gave over my two and a half month old five pounds. You know, when they told me that she was being transported to the children's hospital, a nurse gave me the phone and told me it was about the mortality of my child because the pediatrician couldn't even come in and tell me to my face that they found a hole in her heart, you know? And, um, you know, she, she went on that bed and it was really sad and I had to do that for her. And it was good. It was so good. Cause like I said, now she's amazing and strong and all that kind of stuff. But it's just one of those that's like, I, I do because I never had that with my youngest, you know, I didn't, I didn't ever fear she was going to be taken away. And so that's where it's like, like I said, sometimes I do feel kind of bad because Sometimes I'm like, with my oldest, I try really hard to balance it. I try hard to, like, not always just be about the older one. I try to make sure the younger one is taken care of. I try to make sure that she feels just as loved and that she's just as important, you know. But it's weird. It's weird. Well, it's It's so hard. (laughs) I mean, it's so hard. I mean, it's the level of attention and, and even love required, I would imagine, it's uh what a yeah. what a balanced one. So I'm assuming then that your younger child is neurotypical then. Yes. Yes. Totally, totally healthy, off the walls, bonkers, talks just as much as I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, for uh, for you and your uh, your for you and your husband, it's still husband, or did you ultimately get divorced? I don't know that we ever closed that that chapter. Nope. Nope, actually, so we just celebrated our um uh, Senior anniversary, wow. twelve married. Wow! Congrats. Yeah, I got to say for for uh, for you for you guys to to get back in the ring. That's a, that must have been a conversation, huh? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, like I said, it just was. Uh, you know, I don't know. Like I said, I I will say there's something like when me and my husband first got together. Um, it's cause like, you know, we, we were like you, we listened to punk rock. We might've dabbled in some, um, things that we would probably shouldn't have at the age we were. <laughs> and, um, and so it was interesting because like I said, when we, um, got married and then we decided to have children. And then, like I said, it took so long for us to get pregnant with my, my oldest. And then she, you know, had all these developmental issues and stuff. I mean, like I said, it was, it was rough on us. You know, there was a point where we kind of blamed ourselves and, we're like, you know, well, well, if she would have, you know, we would have done these things in our past, then she would be totally healthy. But kind of that whole, um, you just kind of put that anxiety based on yourself, like, because it's easier to blame yourself than to just let go and go, uh, this happened for a reason, and I'm just going to accept it, you know, especially because both of us are agnostic atheists, you know. <laughs> so that was kind of hard. But I will say it's just, it's funny because it's like a lot of families I hear um, through, the, through the years, um, like I said, a lot of them do get divorced and pull away. And I think if anything, me and my husband got stronger. I think that we built together a lot better. I mean, you know, now, like I said, we jump around to all these different states and stuff like that. And I don't know. And yeah, I mean, I will say, I think my oldest is definitely one of the reasons that our marriage is so strong, you know? And when you jump around to different states, you mentioned that, I think you said you've lived in five states since your daughter's been born. Is that because of, are you, are you going to states that have the best quality of care? Is that the idea? Kind of. Yeah. So my husband is, my husband's a rock star. So he gets 
he keeps getting promoted at his job, and it takes us to two different areas. And I kind of have this little wanderlust in me. Um, and so I, we just kind of keep going to these areas to um, get better advancements, to see, um, you know, we always have to check do they have secondary Medicaid? Do they have an active Down syndrome community? Um, what's the school districts like? Um, are they inclusive? And sometimes we're really good about it. Sometimes, like this state that we live in right now, uh, we kind of miss the nail really hard because um, they're actually transporting my daughter because her homeschool that I checked into called, talked to the special education teacher, seemed they were inclusive, um, pretty much threw me a curveball and said, we won't accept her you need to go to this other school. And the other school has like 1,200 students. It's an elementary school. Uh, They have like 20 different special ed departments. Um, And so they were not happy when I walked in with her IEP going, she's got written inclusion time. And they were trying to tell me she was going to be in a self-contained classroom with their own recess and everything. So I fought them pretty hard about this. (laughs) Um, I only got so far, but... um, at least it's a little bit better, but yeah. So that's kind of the things that we do and opportunities. And like I said, the coolest opportunities I think have came from when we lived closest to Washington, D.C. Cause that's when I got to meet people like, you know, Harry Reid and Senator Kane. And um, I do a lot of like the arc advocacy for the legislators and I go and we storm them and tell them how secondary Medicaid and Medicaid expansion is a big deal. And they need to get their acts in gear and not give me any more excuses. <laughs> Look at that. You don't want to mess with a punk rock mom. That's one of the most true things I've said in the course of this school. You do not mess with a punk rock mom. I know enough punk rock moms in my life right now. You just watch your step. Watch your step. It's a good time to step away for some ads. Thanks so much to the advertisers who allow me to have conversations like this and bring them to the world. We'll be right back. An Aura Smart Frame. Selected. It's one of Oprah's favorite things, by the way. It's the perfect gift for parents who are constantly asking you to send more photos. With an Aura, you can instantly share photos from your phone's camera roll to their frame. It's magical. You can set it so that a new family photo appears every time mom walks into a room. It instantly brightens their day. Invite your siblings to share photos too. Since it allows for unlimited family photo sharing, it can hold an unlimited amount of memories. Create your own private social network. It'll help you stay in touch keep you connected to your loved ones, even if you're miles apart. The seamless tech means a simple, stress-free setup. Plus, it comes in a range of styles, from modern to classic to wood. I think it's such a cool idea. I Look at me right now. Had a baby just a few weeks ago. Everybody's wanting pictures all the time. Why not build like a private social network where these pictures of my kid are safe? I know exactly who they're being shared with. It's not this thing where you don't know if you've just sent a picture out into the wild west. And your loved ones get them. All your loved ones are asking. It comes in as a surprise. They don't even need to ask. You just surprise them. It's cute pictures. Head to AuraFrames.com. Use offer code BEAUTIFUL at checkout for $50 off. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Offer code BEAUTIFUL for $50 off. Thanks again to everybody who advertised on the show. Now let's finish off the phone call. Don't get no, on the bad no, side of a punk no, rock mom. Absolutely welcome them. <laughs> What's that? Um, so I want to. I want to know when you and your husband decide to have a second child. How's that conversation go? 
so actually it was it was pretty interesting. So after everything, so like I said, they're really horrible birth and then everything that came from that. Um, we had a little bit of PTSD, so I'll be very open about this. Um, I actually ended up um, getting uh, OCD um, from after having my daughter and having her in the NICU because um, actually statistically they've shown that um, moms that have children in the NICU um, actually suffer as much PTSD as somebody who served in combat. Wow. And so... Yeah, so I started having very irrational thoughts. I started having very, like, because you're just always in this fight or flight, always, you know? And so I was always scared that either somebody was going to hurt me or, like, what if the weather turns bad? What do I do? How am I going to make myself stay alive to take care of my child and protect her at the same time? Um, so it took a little bit of time. It took definitely a bunch of therapy, um, which I'm very advocate of therapy. My sister's a social worker too, so whoop whoop. Um, <laughs> um, and so anyway, I got better about it. And then when I finally got to a point where me and him both felt very comfortable, um, one of our one of our jokes was because um, individuals with Down syndrome usually don't potty train as quickly as other kids. And so um, when my oldest started getting, getting to a point where she was about to be potty trained, I was like, I have been changing diapers for like five years and I'm like the moment I stop changing diapers and I get that taste of not having that bag anymore and stuff, I was like we're going to be done so we have to have the second child now um, and so we both are siblings you know we've had siblings and we've been want we didn't want a, my sister's keeper we never wanted our other child to feel like that we only had them to take care of the oldest but at the same time, it'd be really nice, you know, <laughs> just in case something happens to us. And so um, when we finally just got that good, comfortable point, I got a really good point in my therapy and got my OCD in check. And I didn't fear the inevitable what was going to happen. And Mal, or, well, almost said her name. Um, her medical issues were a little bit more sustained. Um, we took... Um, my oldest to um, Cheesecake Factory, actually. <laughs> and we sat her down and said, do you want to have a, a sibling? Um, and she said yes, but now I'm not sure if she wanted cheesecake and that's why she was saying yes or to the sibling. <laughs> but now that my, my youngest is older, <laughs> she's, uh, she's a lot more chill with her. Now Now my oldest kind of sees her as like, all right, okay, you're pretty cool now because for a while there, I think my oldest just thought my youngest was um, a whiny pile of flesh that just screamed all the time. And she would pull me in rooms and like point to my youngest and be like, you take care of this. You did this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's amazing. You know, one thing that's sticking in my craw, one thing you had mentioned that on the show, I've, I've had a couple of rants lately where I'm like social media is such a dividing thing lately and causing so much anxiety on a societal sense. But it's also so eye-opening to hear what you had to say because I do also think often, you know, you go back to like, there's all these movements where people connect. Going back to like the Arab Spring, yeah. it gets better, Black Lives Matter, Me Too. You're telling me that there's ways to connect with communities through hashtags in people who, in, in the community of disabled people. And I will say, as you know, punk rockers love a good conspiracy theory. It almost makes me wonder, are there people out there making social media feel destabilized and negative, fanning those flames so that people don't connect and so that these movements can't form? But hey, that's just a conspiracy theorist. 
That's just me. I, you know what? Actually, I kind of, I kind of agree with you. My husband is the biggest conspiracy theorist of all time, and yeah, he like. I don't know how much he believes in, but he likes, he likes hearing all that really fun, random, you know. <laughs> but no, I'm with you. Like, I feel like that there's like a big. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's very toxic things about social media, and there is a. But I will tell you right now. Social media was my best friend, especially when I was in isolation with my oldest. So after she had open heart surgery and being in the NICU, you know, um, you don't have a lot of outlet to the to the world, you know, and especially because, you know, after she has her surgery, they send her home and go, um, okay, you have to keep her safe from all illnesses because she could die, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you have to tread carefully. And so, um, yeah, like I would just sit in front of the computer. I would log on to different Down syndrome um, family sites. I would connect with my, you know, friends, all of that kind of stuff. And like I said, it did, it brought me comfort. So I had like a, a comfort for it. And plus, like I said, with my hashtags, like, um, you know, with the hashtag not broken, hashtag more like the different hashtag lucky few, like I even have a lucky few tattoo among all my other tattoos. Um, you know, it's one of those that it's like, I feel like I get heard more and I feel like more people listen to me when I put it on social media. Um, and I feel like when they share it, they're sharing it more than like when I just talk to somebody at the park, you know, or <laughs> like if I just go to like a legislator and talk to them, like, I feel like that that's the biggest impact and that's how you talk to the masses. That's cool that you're hitting it from both angles. You'll spread word out there to the masses, and then you'll also uh, corner Harry Reid and give him a piece of your mind. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Which is, I mean, yeah, it's been, it's honestly been one of my, I mean, like I said, there's still very horrible things about social media that I really I hate because, you know, a punk rocker for life. So there's definitely <laughs> damn the man things. Um, but yeah, no, other than that, it's like, I, like I said, I just feel like, like, even like when people, I also love when I go on my Facebook and like people are sharing these really cool images or these videos of individuals with Down syndrome or anybody from like those kind of, you know, um, communities and just sharing them with me because I'm like, yeah, you know what? Cause I connected with them because now that they know my oldest, now they see how cool she is. Um, when they think of those things, they think to share them with me. And that makes me happy that they're just not scrolling past it. Like it, it's deep, you know, and they're going to be the ones that are going to help my daughter out. And they're going to be the ones that help out the future generations. So hopefully this whole inclusion <laughs> nonsense is gone because it should just be mandatory, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just a given, just a given. Yeah. I'm going to ask a question that might be difficult. But I'm just really interested. Your daughter, your daughter is nine now, and you said that you said that language is not is not is is something that is is uh, difficult. I wonder. Uh, and this might be just an insensitive question. I apologize. It is, but if it is, but um, has your daughter been able to express her own opinions? on 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 the situation that she's in does she have an awareness of not walking the typical path 
Yeah, so um, I actually love that you brought up this point. I'm not offended at all. Um, I just, I'm really glad that you're like steering what I wanted to talk about, but you're doing it more constructively than me. <laughs> no, so what are you talking? Don't you give me credit for stumbling through a bunch of questions and then crying my eyes out? You're, you're, you're the best. All I've done is cry and then stumble over my words with. That's it. But you're nice. Thank you. Anyway, yes, please continue. You're nice too. Anyway, but, um, so no, so actually, so my daughter with her speech, yeah, so um, it is incredibly delayed to the point that we actually have a talking device for her that she doesn't really like much. Um, she does sign, and she can word approximate. So the word approximation, so when she says, like when I tell her I love you, every night she go, it sounds like I love you. Like you can hear it, but it's not clear. Um, so with with my oldest, it's very interesting because, to be totally honest, I don't, I really don't think she sees herself ever different from the world. I really feel like that she just lives in the world. I think that's what's so cool, and that's what's so cool about a lot of people with um, disabilities is the fact that the space that they create. I feel like they're so. How do I put that? I just feel like that the way that the space that she creates in a room, she is meant to be there, and she doesn't believe that she should not be there otherwise. Um, I will say we have had situations where, like, with my youngest, when we go to, like, the, you know, neighborhood pool, um, my oldest wants to go up, and she grunts and kind of growls and does a little bit more of that kind of stuff. Um, And, you know, kids get a little freaked out by her because, once again, they're not – inclusive in the classroom so these kids aren't seeing her on a regular basis seeing that she's totally you know that's how she communicates this is how and so um that breaks my heart a little bit because then all of a sudden i see her kind of like going in the back of the pool and stuff but then that's when like my uh my uh, i'm not going to put up with this <laughs> comes in and then what i'll do is i'll try to grab a ball and then i'll like give it to my oldest and be like okay throw it at the kids i'll be like oh kids she's gonna throw the ball at you and then that's how i kind of start the play um but yeah it is one of those where it's like it's, it's just a very interesting topic because um like i said i it's one of those even like with her girl scout troop like all of them are very very much like i don't know like you know some of the girls are like why doesn't she talk why isn't she saying things and i was like you know she says things are away you guys gotta listen also my oldest is very independent and so if you ask her to sign food or something she'll just go get it <laughs> like she knows how to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches she just doesn't know how to say peanut butter and jelly you know <laughs> and um but then it's funny because then after a few times of them hanging out with her and seeing how awesome she is and how her communication just is in a more physical way, then all of a sudden the kids are all like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Like, uh, you know, then it's like a no big deal. And then if anything, I love that they'll go to other kids and kind of like if they try to make a comment, they'll go, why are you? That's come on. (laughs) Oh, I just said her name. It's okay. We'll make sure we uh, we're marking the time code so we can. Bleep it for privacy's sake. It's all good. It's all good. Jared's on it. I'm like, the well, best of the game. Now you know what they are. <laughs> yeah, I have my guess. Are you, uh, never mind. I won't say more. That would make it easy. Um, I have to wonder too, when you, in these situations you're describing, which have to be, I, I would have to imagine that when you enter new social situations, settings with other kids, there, you must, there must be a party that just takes a deep breath every time. 
gets ready. But when you see, uh, yeah. and again, kid, you know, it's it's a thing with kids where it's understandable. Where I think sometimes kids see people who are not walking the same path they walk, and and kids have to reconcile. Oh, sometimes the world is unpredictable, and sometimes the world is you might even say sort of random in an unfair way. Like these are feelings that kids might get slammed with. When when you're in situations like that, like you're describing, when you see that first kid step up and do the right thing and make an effort to include your daughter, treat your daughter on equal footing, do you just treasure those kids? Are you just like, oh, those kids' parents raised them right? Yeah, I do. But I also feel like I do that when I just see any kind of humanity. Yeah, yeah. You know, if if anything, I more, I more see it as like, I don't know. That's where this is where I'm, it's going to get a little like political and controversial. But like, that's where I get to a point where I'm like, you start seeing the divisiveness from children when they're younger of races, disabilities, like all, you know, and so if anything, it's just, that's more and more what makes me sad. Um, and also I'm not trying to say I don't applaud those children because I do. They're awesome. Like I was one of those kids that, you know, when I was in elementary school, like I said, I was around a lot of individuals with, um, special needs and other abilities. And, um, you know, I used to volunteer in the classroom because that during my day, they were still, um, you know, self-contained classrooms. And so I would outreach because um, I met somebody in a wheelchair that I adored them. Um, He ended up passing when I was in fifth grade and he had G-tube and stuff and very cool. But it was one of those that he made me happy and it kind of did that. But at the same time, I feel like I, I don't know. I don't know why, but like when people would applaud me, don't get me wrong, I'm a Leo. So I do love my applause. <laughs> I do feel like when people applaud me to go into the, the classroom and hang out, I just always was kind of like, I don't understand because like, I don't know, I befriended somebody just like I befriended one of my best friends who's, who was neurotypical. Why was I getting applauded for befriending her too? You know what right, I mean? Right, and right. that's where it's like, that's where that inclusion needs to come. That's why we need inclusion. They need to integrate. It needs to go into the classroom. It's so pertinent, you know, and like I said, and then maybe, maybe someday uh, the disabled community, we can start, you know, getting more Medicaid expansion and maybe we can start not being in the impoverished issues and get more employment and be paid more. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's a whole whirlwind. <laughs> I pray that I can be as strong and supportive and forward thinking a parent as you have proven yourself to be during this conversation. You will. You will, because I will tell you right now, I remember, I remember where you were so specifically, even with both girls, you know, it is, it's just, I don't know, you're at the end, you're about to have the child, you're like, oh, what kind of parent am I going to be? What am I going to be excited about? This kid better like, you know, these certain bands, you know, because like, (laughs) if my children didn't like the Bouncing Souls, I'd probably disown them, but. (laughs) Wow, Jersey, baby, (laughs) Jersey. I know. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> you have a good whoop, whoop. I have to say, in the course of a call that's been very raw and heartfelt, you've now slipped in at least two whoop, whoops in a way that is, I want to just make sure I highlight 
the charm of that too, because as we've talked about so much difficult stuff, a number of whoop whoops. So big bouncing souls fan, continue. Yes, um, I guess I should say wait, wait. So anyway, um, <laughs> um, yeah, no. And so it's one of those that it's just like I don't know. You just you get to a point, but then it's like when you when you hold that child, and it doesn't care, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. It doesn't matter what the learning disability. It doesn't matter if they're the strongest in their class, anything like that. It's just, it's weird because it's like that connection you have with that child. I don't know. Something, nothing on compare describes it. And it's sad because I wish there was a word I could say, but there isn't. But when you have that child, you're going to know the word that I can't say. Wow. The word that you can't say. I look forward to that. Yeah. I really look forward to that. So you you said you're a big Marvel fan too. Yes, yes. <laughs> we do. I'm a. I love, 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 love me some Wolverine. Uh, my husband is a huge, huge, huge Marvel fan. I will tell you right now. So a lot of our respite care when we get that respite time um, goes towards going out to eat. I'm from Colorado, so of course I have to go get my microbrew on, you know. Um, <laughs> And then afterwards, we usually always go to the newest of the superhero movies, and we always have this joke that um, they know that my husband's a huge, like, Marvel fan, because it seems like Marvel always releases their newest movies around his birthday or on his birthday. So it's like a little treat and treasure for him, and we go and we watch it, and we super nerd out, and yeah, that's our thing. That's amazing. Although, when they're not good... And there's only been a few real misses from Marvel, but like when he's watching Thor 2 and it's your one night of respite care, he must just be like, son of a bitch. But then when he's watching Thor Ragnarok, he must be like, son of a bitch. Loving it. Sorry, Sal. I tell you, I'm freaking out because our due date is April 25th and then the new Avengers is out April 26th. And I'm like, oh, am I, am I going to miss Avengers in the theater? Not that I won't be so blessed to have a son. That's by far the bigger right. priority. And, and I'll tell you what, too. I've never, ever one time in my entire career tried to pull, like, the Hollywood strings card. And a lot of my friends like this. Like, a lot of my friends are like, oh, my, I got my agent to give me courtside tickets to the Knicks. I'm like, well, grow up. Is that what you're in it for? Are you in it to make entertaining stuff for the people? I called my manager. I was like, are there any are there any screenings of Avengers I can get into early? Because I'll just be so sad if I don't know how this wraps up. I don't want to get spoilers. <laughs> I know, and that's that's exactly how my husband is, which fun fact, I forgot to tell you that too. So my youngest, on top of being named after a punk band, her middle name is actually um after Stanley. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah, that's how big a Marvel fan we are. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I will tell you my oldest, but so this is like one of my favorite stories to tell. Um, is so we had um, like this princess tea party, and so um, I was like, all right, you know, go go dress up. You have your princess dress. Go, you know, because of course she's a Merida fan because like Merida is like the most badass of them all. It doesn't need a man and all that. I love it. <laughs> and she would tear, turn me into a bear that like split. But 
Uh, no, so it's funny because, like, all she has, though, is superhero costumes and, like, one princess dress. And she refused to put on a princess dress. I was like, fine, girl, wear your, you know, superhero outfit. I don't care. And so it was so cute because we literally had a picture of her amongst all these princesses she was in her little superhero outfit. And I was like, that's my girl. That's the kind of, like, that's where I know I'm parenting right. (laughs) That's amazing. And what a beautiful place to end. Our hour is up. This was a beautiful and eye-opening and sometimes difficult conversation, but I feel so lucky that I got to have it. And I thank you for it. And I thank you for being such a good parent. Thank you. And thank you for everything that you do on this show. And thank you for letting me have a plat- platform to speak. And um, yeah, you're, you guys are going to be awesome parents. And I love your wife's music. I love hardcore badass like women in the punk scene because we have been hidden for too long. So I love it. <laughs> All right. Hell yeah. Have a good day. Yeah. You too. Bye. <laughs> Caller, thank you so much. I really mean it. That was uh, not an easy conversation uh, for me, as you heard. And I can only imagine the, the just the, uh, the guts that it takes for you to just go out there, open up to me, to the world, to approach senators, to approach your community, to link up with people online. It's beautiful. It's inspiring. And man, like I said during the course of the call... You're a good parent, and I hope I can step up to where you set the bar. It's really, it's just impressive. Thank you so much to Jared O'Connell and Harry Nelson in the booth. Thank you to Justin Linville for all your help in my life. Thank you to Shell Shag for the music. It's always been such a huge part of this show. You want to know about me, what I'm up to, go to chrisketh.com. If you like the show, go to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. It really, really helps when you do. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, our caller has a lot to say, but to be fair, I get most excited rambling about theme restaurants. I, If I could design my own theme restaurant, I would make it themed to feel like you are a patient in an insane asylum. <laughs> Before they seat you, the hostess straps you into a straitjacket, so you have to eat by just like mashing your face into your plate, trying to grip your cup with your teeth and tipping it back to drink. There's lunatics who have uh, who have broken loose who are running roughshod, totally insensitive, disrespectful to the mental health industry. I've been such a public champion for. It'll be like a nightmare vision of like a 1930s mental hospital. That would be my ultimate themed dresser. That's next time on Beautiful Anonymous.